Alright, welcome back, pool fans, to this week's edition of American Billiard Radio. My name is Mr. Bond, and I'll be your host once again this week. It is uh, September the 8th, I believe, 2016, and I'm going to be joined today with uh, Mr. Mark Cantrell of the Legends and Champions Report. How you doing today, Mark? Fabulous. Right. Awesome. What's going on down there in the great southwest? You got your own hurricane, I hear. Who told you that? <laughs> yeah. Well, you got the leftovers of a hurricane anyway, you know. No, it sprinkled rain last night. Um, <laughs> we wasn't close to a hurricane or a storm or anything else. No. Oh, they were no, talking it up. They were talking it up on the Weather Channel. How they they were shaking their heads, saying it was it would the storm was so close to being a hurricane when it made landfall that it would have been the first time that a hurricane actually hit Arizona. It was it was that close. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, um, no, the, the, the trees aren't even moving. <laughs> we're moving. We're moving into our time now. This is when uh, the rest of the country, uh, I stop feeling sorry for us because it's 120 degrees and it just starts going into nice 75, 80 degree weather, sunny, you know, you guys don't get all the snow and the blizzards and everything else. Uh Um, And so this is, uh, we're coming into our time now. There was no hurricane here. Don't worry about it. Well, that, that sucks. I was gonna, I was hoping you'd thanks have to suffer concern. a little bit or something. Uh, th- thanks for your concern, but no, we got no Zika virus either. We got, uh, you know, it's, All right. we got some scorpions. We got scorpions. Yeah, you, that, you do have there. scorpions and snakes. I'll give you that much. Well, um, <clears throat> what is today? The September the twenty? Wait, no, September the eighth. Wow, I got ahead of myself there a little bit. Um, th- something happened on this day, didn't it? Something important happened today. I, I, uh, I like I the could, way you lead me in. I could that. just feel That's it in good. my bones. Yeah. Well, I was watching the TV, and you know we've got the um, straight pool tournament going on there in New York. That's right, New York City. And I happened to stumble across some information. And on this day in history, and uh, I don't have this written down, just so you know, uh, 1564, the Dutch who were residing in uh, America, what we call America now, and uh, New Amsterdam, and the British came and said, listen, we, we're gonna, we want to fight you for this. We want to be here. Anyway, the, the uh, Dutch surrendered uh, their area called New Amsterdam. The British took it over and renamed it New York. New after York. After the Grand Old Duke of York, mm-hmm. who who led the battle. And, uh, Interesting. That be, uh, New York became the first capital of the United States. And George Washington was uh, uh, sworn in in New York right after, right, just after, I guess, it became uh, 
from it became New York from New Amsterdam. Yeah. And the Counting Crows, you know, saying a lot about the New Amsterdam. So. So today's the day that New York became New York. Uh, I don't know if today's the day it became New York, but it's the day that the Dutch surrendered. Ah, okay, gotcha. New, Am- New Amsterdam. Yeah, and okay. then the, the British went and... Apparently the Dutch didn't put up much of a fight either. <laughs> and I, I wish I wish it'd be more like that during the Moscone Cup, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> Neil Fyne and Nick Vandenberg. I mean, they, you know, wake up, they just stick their hands in the air and say, yeah, you're right. Yeah. We give in. Well, you know, that makes well, me wonder. That makes me wonder now if there's any British guys playing in the 14-1, you know, they could just come over and say, hey, look, I'm here. You have to surrender. Uh, we're, we, we're, the British have arrived. Now you have to surrender uh, New Amsterdam. Well, you've got Jason Shaw down at Appleton, for sure, right? Uh, uh, no, yeah. 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 But I don't know who the Dutch are. Um, there's no, I don't believe there's any Dutch in it. Hmm, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know the nationality of all those players. Um, speaking of, um, did you hear uh, the names of the 14-1 Hall of Fame uh, nominations this year? Uh, we have to give some congratulations out to Mr. Bobby Hunter or Robert Hunter. Uh, Peter Margot and the old school player Q Ball Kelly, all three nominated for the Hall of Fame this year, and I know Bob, uh, Mr. Hunter. He's a fantastic guy and and a pretty awesome cue maker. Actually, little secret you didn't know about Bobby. Uh, just the nicest guy you ever could meet, and uh, he he deserves it. I'm sure they all do, you know. But hey. I know him better than I know the other guys, so congratulations, Bob, and congratulations to all three uh, uh, for the nomination. That's good stuff, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I was on. Uh, they put it on uh, the ceremony last night, uh, mm-hmm. the induction ceremony. They they put it on free last night on the pay per view. Yes, yes, they did. That's I did, I didn't get to I didn't get to see it all, you know, but uh, I saw some of it. Looked like it. They had a full house, and oh, yeah. everybody's eating and drinking having a good time. So, Yeah. Well, Cue Ball Kelly goes back. Now, this guy's a little older. Um, you know, he outdates Bob and, uh, and, and Pete by a, a little ways. Um, as a matter of fact, speaking of this day in history, if you go back to this month in history, about 50 years ago, Q-Ball Kelly was refing matches. He had, he had advanced in his career already to the point of refing uh, world championship matches. And it just so happens that this month, 50 years ago, he was doing just that. He was refing a, a world championship 14-1 match. There was uh, Lassiter and Babe Cranfield and some of the other uh, big names that people know of. And Cranfield ended up taking the purse there on on that particular match, but Cue Ball Kelly was there, so it's kind of ironic that he's getting his same month getting nominated fifty years ago. So cool. Uh, well, we went from this day in history to this month in history. So <laughs> let me just let, let me go to this year in history. Uh-huh. Fifty years ago, fifty years ago it would be nine sixty six. 
and England beat, this is for my friend Thorstall Holman. Um, I know Thorstall don't maybe like me bringing this up, but 50 years ago, 1966, England beat West Germany in the World Cup of Soccer. <laughs> it's the last time, <laughs> it's the last time uh, England won the World Cup. But uh, just, just I'll throw it out there for uh, Ouch. a lot of toasty. <laughs> that hurts, man. <laughs> well, <clears throat> he shouldn't feel he, he shouldn't feel bad though because uh I think the last time the Chicago Cubs won a, a World Series has been since like 1909 or 1908. Or yeah, yeah, we didn't even <laughs> vote the last time they won. <laughs> right, and 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 uh, for some strange reason, Mark they sell out games there every single. Now this year is a little bit of an exception, actually. The Cubs are are doing well this year, um, or have been. It just what? It just died, didn't it? But uh, well, uh, how many games they play? Two. Oh no, they're they're in further than that. But uh, it just it's just funny, you know that that it's taken them over a hundred years and still nothing. And and people still go to see him play every single time, every single game, oh, man. That place is packed just to watch him lose. The fanatics, the fanatics They're here in fanatics. Uh, in the east east valley of uh, Phoenix, where I live, we have a lot of imports from uh, Illinois, from Chicago. Hmm. Uh, whether it be snowbirds or people who just implanted themselves from there. See, I don't know what the attraction is from there to here, right? Specifically, but I know a lot of people from. Chicago, who live here, and they're just absolutely mental, nuts about the Cubs. Yeah, it's got to be on the TV. If you go to a bar, there's bars that have only the Cubs games on. But we'll have anything else on. So, anyways, uh, there you go. That's all I have to say about that. Um, well, you know, since um. Since we're not talking about it yet, um, did you hear AZ Billiards has launched their own Roku channel now? Um, they, <coughs> excuse me, have taken the leap into the the full multimedia experience. You know, they've got obviously the the website itself, which is the main database of information of stories and photos. <coughs> excuse me, the forum, the discussion forum. Um, now we have a monthly magazine. Um, we have a, a database of of billiard newspapers, and now uh, even their own media channel. So you'll be able to go on there, watch matches from all different you know time frames and eras. And, and of course, this is just launching. So um, I, I think there's what did he say, three hundred or so hours of material up so far. But that is going to be steadily increasing as uh, the material is made available. So pretty soon, should be a really entertaining thing. I mean, uh, I'm going to give them some some props and congratulations on that because uh, the online media is, is really becoming a big deal. Yeah, it's uh, and and then you know, well, you know, we know AZ Billions are the the best largest seen website related to pool and billiards in the world. So they have a pretty good starting block, you know, that they've grown. Yeah, And exactly. then to have the online magazine, 
and I did speak, I think it might have been at the start of the year, I did speak uh, with Howard and he called talking to me about this Roku thing. I, I, you know, I'm not technologically advanced, so I don't know. <laughs> I, I was trying to get a clue as to what Roku is. But is it, from what I can get, it's like one of those fire sticks that you can stick in your TV. Um, and you can, you know, you can watch, there's all kinds of channels on that if you want, right, like, right, right. one-legged, one, one, one-legged ass-kicking contest. They've got a show <laughs> for it. They've got, and they've got uh, a channel for pool and billiards. Yeah, I think it, I think it's awesome. Hopefully it grows and and does something. Just hope that Roku uh, is, uh, is, uh, is popular. I'd, again, I don't really know that much about it, so... Uh, I don't know how many viewers they have, but it would be um, it, it will be it will be good at some point, you know, for uh, people who just say, "Hey, I've got this fire stick, Roku stick, whatever it is," and I'm gonna I feel like watching some pool right. tonight. I've got nothing else to do. I want to see the U.S. Open from 2002, right? You know, for right. whatever reason. Sure. Uh, and maybe that they can get to watch that full match. Right, right. So, well, and I here, think there's going to be more things as well involved. Oh yeah, there is. There is uh, going to be a lot of material added to it, and and just to let the listeners know out there, we have a an astounding collection of video, um, at in the in the archives of the Chicago Billiard Museum, easily, easily. Uh, a thousand hours of video and a lot of it is historically significant video not just your everyday sort of here was the predator tour from last year or something a lot of historic uh, a video of people that you don't get to see very often things like Cicero Murphy and Minnesota Fats and, and Moscone and some other the classic stuff that's hard to come by so you're going to want to check into that and keep checking into it as more material gets added. So that's your that's your early warning on that. Uh, speaking of other early warnings, what's coming up on the calendar? We got, uh, I think the next big event is probably the Four Bears Classic. Um, yeah, it's, this month... Uh... This month is is got a lot of things. A couple of yeah, several big events going on. Yeah, it's, it's kind of uh, amazing, really, when you when you think. And I, I keep going back to uh, two three years ago when we first started doing these shows and we did the State of the Union and going, what tournaments are that? There's nothing going on. I mean, they're falling apart. Tournaments are falling left and right mm-hmm. here, and and now it's like it's. The calendar seems like it's, it's pretty packed. But yeah, you're right. The, the Four Bears uh, in Newtown, I think that's going to start. Yep. Uh, Up in the North first Dakota. Big one this month. Yeah, absolutely. That's going to be a, a, a hot potato for the Midwest there. You know, not a lot of stuff happens up that high in the Midwest. So that's good for that region to get that one or to keep that one. That's been going on for a while. Um, what else is going on? Do to do to do. You know, there's the uh, ooh, all Japan coming up. Yeah, where where is that? Where is that being held? Um, you know, I am gonna double check because I am not entirely sure. Um, let me see. Is that Tokyo? No, I just wanted to hear you try and say it. 
Oh, geez, no. It's you're gonna make. Sabo Yosaki. Amagasaki. 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 Amagasaki City. What? Amagasaki City. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but. Yeah, well, that's, that's going on seven, uh, September 17th, the All Japan Open, 17th to 23rd. Yes, sir. Absolutely. That's a, that's a, a fairly big one. Hey, and then and it, love it seems like. Uh, yeah. Well, that goes on until the 23rd. Um, and, and then there's um, more that start at the Atlantic City at the Trump Taj Mahal before it closes. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can list them if you like. Go ahead and list them. Well, you got your International Challenge of Champions, and then there's the Women's International Tournament of Champions, and then you got the yeah. Trick Shot Magic, all going on between the 20th and the 22nd at the Taj Mahal. The weird thing about this is, and we talked about this last week, and oh, I, hold on, the twentieth. On the twentieth, also starts the two thousand sixteen ESPN Hall, oh, of, the Fame Hall of Fame match. challenge. Okay, yes, yes, for the, yes. Wi- for the women. The, and I don't know okay. much yes. about that at all. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So there's four different events actually going down in that week at the Taj Mahal, Atlantic City. And what I started to say was that that there was all these headlines about Trump Taj Mahal shutting down. And then all of a sudden, oh, as a matter of fact, there was head, there was headlines about the event, this these four events being homeless because the the tower was being uh, the the uh, hotel was being shut down, and then all of a sudden we get news on August the fourth that the event is back on, and now we get news again that it is in fact being shut down, but it's not being shut down until allegedly. October the 10th. So these events that are scheduled September the 20th through the 22nd or 23rd, they should still be able, to, in theory, to go off as planned. That's what it looks like is going to watch. That's what it looks like is going to happen. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, that'll be good if they can get that those events off one more time before, you know, it goes. Um, you know, the way that they dispose of hotels anymore... That might be the big, the the last big event that's held in that in that hotel. So if you're in the area, you might want to go in there, you know, get your photographs and your you know memorials in before they blow that one up too or something. You know, who knows? What else yeah, is going on? Oh, the tornado open. Oh. That's that's the big one. Vivian Villarreal. Uh, 28th of September to the 2nd of October. Yes, sir. Vivian. Uh, I, I believe we've got a number of different events going on at, at that. Yes. There's men's events, there's women's events, there's eight ball events, nine ball events. And Scotch uh, Doubles, the famous Scotch Doubles event. I'm I'm just proud as, as Punch uh, of Vivian. She started, you know, her sort of Coming back onto the scene, promoting three years ago, the first event she had did in a long time. If I don't even, it might have been her first one ever. Actually, uh, the first big event that she did went off perfect. The second year it went off even better. This year, 
They moved it to Florida to the Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Hollywood, Florida, but they also got a $100,000 prize purse out of it. So congrats to her for, for building something and getting the attention of the pros out there. And this Everybody I've talked to is excited about going to this. So this is really going to be a big deal, I think. Yeah, she she's done very well. Mm-hmm. She she really has. Uh, this this kind of thing is not easy. Uh, if you can, but you know, if you've got an end with the the tribes, uh, you know, uh, the Seminoles were were real big in Florida. Um, what just just a, a few years ago, they were holding some uh, some big events. And and now it looks like you know they're back again with the casinos, yeah, and willing to put some money into it. So that it's, it's really good. And if you you know if you've got a casino that's got money and willing to dish it out, it makes life a lot easier uh, to put on an event. But still, it's not a hanger. I mean, there's so much preparation and the things that are involved. I hope that uh, she's. Um, not just doing it for the good of the game, as so many people do. Yeah. Um, I'm not knocking people who do things for the good of the game, but to to take on something like that, mm-hmm. uh, it takes a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of work, and there's a lot of people involved. And I hope that somehow she's getting something of a paycheck out of there. I'm sure she must be. Right, right. Uh, yeah. If she's smart enough to put this together, she's smart enough to be able to get a, sure. a paycheck out of it. Sure. Uh, so, and, and, and yes, yeah, she's done. She's done very well. I'm very happy for I'm happy for Paul to have it. To have it. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, <clears throat> speaking of doing good, uh, before we go, <clears throat> excuse me. Let me go ahead and give you uh, the standings as they are right now um, out at the um, at the fourteen one World Championship uh, in New York. The um, tournament play has been going on for uh, what is this the third day? No, fourth day now. Oh, golly, geez, how the time flies! I started on Labor Day, so that was Monday, right? Yeah. Uh, today's a false day. Yep. So on the fourth day of playing, as it is right now, as we speak, or as you are listening, <laughs> um, Thursday night, we have eight of the final 16 have already been determined. Torsten. Um, he's, he's, all right, he's, a, he's, a, he's a bit of a favorite, isn't he? Yes. He's, uh, he's won this thing quite a few times. So, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. We got Torsten, Danny Harriman, Earl Strickland, Jason Shaw, Darren Appleton, Mika Eminen, Ralph Eckert, and Dennis Okoyo. Those eight are for sure in the final 16 for tomorrow. So c- congratulations to congratulations to those guys. That right there is a is a strong field to contend with just by itself. Yeah, you can't. I mean, who, if if you were given a if you were the eighth man out of those seven, right? Mm-hmm. Or let's say it was nine. Uh, you're the ninth man out of those eight, and the 
Tomorrow said, listen, I want you to do well. Who do you want to play? I'm going to rig the system so you play exactly who <laughs> you want to play. Right. Who the hell would you pick? <laughs> you don't want any of those. <laughs> I don't want any of them. Can I can I bring in <laughs> can I bring in Dave Bond and, and get rid of Mika? All right. Can we do that? Yeah. Uh. Uh-uh. No. Any any one of those gentlemen. As a matter of fact, and, and Shane's not even. Uh, I, you know, expect Shane to make it through, but uh, and he, he but he's not even on that eight, and you know, so there are still other scary people that have yet to play their matches for the you know. To, to finish up for today that are still pretty scary out there. Well, this is how it's supposed to, this is how it's supposed to work, isn't it? The, the best players, the top players, and we know we talk about dead money and things like that uh, for people who just get into them, get into the tournament just to say I played in it, just to say I played against whoever. Right. Uh, and, and they want to better their game, improve themselves one way or another. And it should be this way that it comes out that you've got all these fantastic players on both sides, I think, uh, of, of the justice. It goes to a double, double elimination. You're on the winner's side right now. The names you mentioned on the one loss side, you still got some big names. The, to be contended with. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, nobody's off the hook just yet. You know, I mean, uh, Schmidt is still in it. Shane is still in it. Uh, you know, uh, Cohen is still in it. Um, Archer and Hunter are still in it. You know, they, there's still 16 guys left to play today to to, to determine the other final eight. So eight are already in. Eight have yet to be determined, and, and you know, sometime tonight, they'll be wrapping that up. If not, sometime early in the morning, and we'll find out what the other eight are. But um, you know, congrats to the guys that have made it so far, and good luck to the guys that uh, still got a long ways to go. There's, there's nobody running away with it yet. No, no, it's I, I honestly, I don't. If I was to make a bet, I don't, I don't bet on pool. Um, I, I have to go with Appleton or Thorsten. It just seems like they've just been consistently the strongest in this tournament. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, for, for a number of years, they know they feel comfortable there. They've got a routine, whatever that routine is. Uh, it's like turning stone. Um, there's certain tournaments that players excel at, and uh, there's no—I don't know what the rhyme or reason is to it. But if you look at Turning Stone, um, Johnny Archer's won like six or seven times, something like that. And Jason Shaw has now won four out of five right. times he's played in it. So there's something about the location. The comfortability, right. where you're staying, sure. your prep time, the food that you're eating, whatever it might be. But there's definitely something to it because there's no reason that 
Darren and Thorsten have done so well at this 14-1 championship. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, Johnny and uh, Jason Shaw have done so well at Turnstone. Mm-hmm. And Shane, Darren Appleton, Meek and Eminem have done so well at the US Open 9-ball. Right, right. The, the, all of these, those three tournaments are tough tournaments to win. Oh, yes, yeah. they're great players, and you can say, oh, well, it's just because they're great players. Yes, but there's so many other great players there as well. You know, to be that uh, prevalent in, in, this, in those particular events, there's a comfortability, and, and so I'd, oh, yeah. I'd have to say, if I was a gambling man, Thorsten or um, Darren Appleton might win this. Yeah. Well, I, I couldn't argue with that. Obviously, they are both very excellent uh, straight pool players. I'm not going to count um, Shane out just yet because going into today, he was he was five and zero. Oh. Um, so his right. That's what I'm saying. They they both have you know the same record, but you might be right, and the comfort level might be what makes the difference here. I don't know. I know that Shane wants it. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. I know he wants it. Um, Shit, can he win it? Can he win any more this year? Is there anything else? I mean, this is about it. Yeah, this is about the only other title that he really needs. You know what I mean? So yeah. he did well in the uh, World Nine Ball. Came second, I think. World Nine Ball. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to, to be honest, I think he's he's been a bit greedy now. <laughs> He needs to share needs the trophies. To, you know, he needs to sit, sit back a little bit and say, you know, let me. All right, I'll take. I'll take third. You know, yeah. I'll, I'll just do it this time because I'm. It, this is becoming embarrassing. <laughs> oh no, that's good stuff. That's what that is. Actually, you know what? If you guys want to stick around in a, a few minutes, we're going to get around to a couple more chapters of uh, Willie Hoppy's book. So, thanks, Mark, for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for asking me. Absolutely. And we will talk to you guys next week, right here on American Billiard Radio. Okay, welcome back, everybody. This is the portion of the program where we are covering a book. We're reading through Mr. Willie Hoppy's book, 30 Years of Billiards, originally published in 1925. Uh, today, we're on Chapter 15. We'll do 15 and 16. If you are um, not caught up with us, feel free to go back and check out the previous episodes where we covered all the chapters leading up to here. So... Here we go. Chapter 15, Lay Commissioner Climbs the Olympia Stairs. During my first sojourn in Paris, I met nearly all the leading French billiard players at the Olympia. Jacob Schaefer was under contract to play at the Grand Café, the chief rival of the Olympia, and although I lived under the same roof with him at the home of John Kammerer, we never met in competition. In December 1902, the French government 
renewed its old hostility toward the billiard academies. Gambling on our exhibition games had increased to such a point that the government felt the popularity of the game was becoming a menace to the young manhood of France. The matter had been fought out in the courts, and a French judge decided that, inasmuch as billiards was a primarily a game of skill, it could not be banned as a game of chance. But the government was not content to relinquish its opposition. An order was issued prohibiting foreigners from taking part in exhibition matches at which wagers were laid. The academy managers took this new ruling in court, and while the litigation was pending, we had some exciting times with the law. Being under contract to the Olympia, which had paid my expenses to Paris, I had to abide by the manager's orders. And as I had just turned 15, I did not assume any great activity in the battle of wits with the government. I was playing a match with Vigneault one afternoon when the doorman appeared suddenly at the edge of the table. He was very much excited. Le commissionaire, he announced in a stage whisper. Mr. Vigneault seized me by the hand and led me to the rear of the room where we hid behind a curtain. Presently I peeked out. There stood Le Commissionaire of Police, a pompous gentleman in a frock coat and high silk hat, all out of breath from climbing the stairs. He reached in his breast pocket and brought forth a tricolor scarf, which he waved in the manager's face. Monsieur le manager, he said, when his breath had returned. I am the police. Where is this Willy Hoppy? The manager looked at him blankly. Which Willy Hoppy? Ah, said the official, you well know who I mean, the marvelous young American. I have a government order which says he shall not play the billiards. The manager looked all around the table. Then he looked under the table. Uh, Monsieur le commissionaire, he said gravely, I regret that he is not here. I shall communicate to him your desire in this manner. You are fatigued from your journey up the stairs. Mr. Commissioner, will you not try a glass of the white wine? The official stalked out. We emerged from behind the curtain and with a nod from the manager resumed our game. On two more occasions after that, we were honored with visits from the prefect, but he was so slow in climbing the stairs that we were always safely hidden behind the curtain when he arrived. My contract with the Olympia, having at length expired, I took leave of my good friends, Mr. and Mrs. Kammerer, bought some souvenirs for my mother and sisters, and packed up my satchel. As the boat train left the station on my return journey to America, I took stock of my three months' stay in Paris. I had earned nearly a thousand dollars for my family. I had met and conquered the best of the young French professionals. 
more important than either of these, I had gained invaluable experience in my daily associations at the Olympia. Watching Vigneault measure angles and deliver his stroke with the precision and decisiveness of a great master. Analyzing French methods of play and developing an all-around balkline game, three-cushion game, and red ball. Besides this billiard technique, I was carrying around memories of Paris, glimpses of the boulevards and the fashionable shops, the little sidewalk cafes with their striped awnings, of Napoleon's tomb. The world was very kind, and I hugged my two billiard cues a little closer as the train gathered speed for Havar and for home. That concludes chapter 15. Chapter 16, a tour with Jacob Schaefer, the wizard. It was Dr. Jennings, the Crescent Club amateur, who first suggested to Jake Schaefer that he take me on a tour as a playing partner. That was in January 1903, shortly after I returned to America for my first trip to Paris. Schaefer, also under the ban of the French government, had finished his, his engagement at the Grand Café and followed me within a few weeks. Schaefer had complained that the first-class American players, Mr. Morningstar, Mr. Sutton, and George, Sloss, George Slauson, wanted too much for their services. By the time he had paid the salary they asked for, he would have had nothing left for himself. Why don't you grab this youngster for your exhibition tour, Jake? Dr. Jennings suggested. He's still in short pants. You and he would make a great team on the road. So Schaefer approached my father, and they made a deal. There were two reasons, my father explained to me, why such an arrangement would be favorable to us. In the first place, it would eliminate the expense and worry of booking our own tour. And secondly, it would give me an opportunity to study under the greatest living master of the game. It proved a mighty fine thing for me. I learned more billiards under Jacob Schaefer than in any similar period of my life. He was not the teaching type. He would never volunteer any suggestion or stop to analyze his game for my benefit. But it was an inspiration simply to play with him and watch his game from day to day. Schaefer was a billiard genius. He played with his subconscious mind. In contradistinction to Vigneault, Ives, and Morningstar, the intellectual type. He had the most delicate stroke in the world, and he seemed to have a better sense of the feel of ivory than any other billiard player. At the table, he was quick to size up a situation and quick to execute. No slow processes of calculating, no walking around the table and squinting at the balls from various angles. He knew instinctively what to do, and he did it. Once he had the balls under control, his game was beautiful to watch. He shot so rapidly that he was mentally two or three strokes ahead of his cue, 
all the time. Almost before the ball stopped rolling, he was poised, delicately stroking his cue for the next shot. Schaefer was a great shot maker. That is, he had the all-around skill to execute the most difficult shot on the table. But his greatest stroke was the Massé. Early French players first discovered the Massé. It was first demonstrated in America, according to Maurice Daly, by Claudius Berger, or Berger. It looks like burger. But as they developed it, it was merely a crush stroke. The cue descended upon the ball forcibly, and all, and although the necessary sharp curves resulted, the object balls were scattered all over the table. Schaefer changed all that. He brought his Q-tip down as lightly as a feather, stroking the ivory with a touch that was almost a caress. No matter how sharp the angle, he could swing the ball around without too much force, and his masse shots left the balls always placed nicely. In a match with a French expert at the Grand Café, Schaefer made one of the most remarkable masse shots I ever saw. The balls were lined up on the lower rail, six or eight inches apart, in the left-hand bulk, with the cue ball frozen to the side rail. Schaefer not only had to make the carom, but drive one of the ball object balls out of bulk. He poised his cue for an instant and then brought it down lightly and firmly. The cue ball shot out in a wide curve, missing the first object ball completely. Everybody thought he had missed. The French player sprang from his chair and reached for the chalk, but Schaefer waved him back. The cue ball turned in sharply, struck the further object ball, driving it out of bulk, and then completed the carom along the rail to the red ball. On another occasion, I saw him play a masse shot the entire length of the table, calculating the break of the curve to the fraction of an inch. Not one billiard player could do that if he practiced all his life. It was sheer genius. Schaefer was a little man, not over five feet five, but there was not a shot on the table he couldn't reach. He used to walk around the table like a little gamecock with his cue poised as lightly as a fencer's rapier. Using his right and left hands equally well, bending over on his tiptoes, he would score his points almost as rapidly as the referee could count them. In our exhibition matches, he gave me plenty of opportunity to display my skill. Sometimes he would leave the ball, the balls favorably located so I could get off to a flying start. But, I, but when I got too far out in front, with a long run or two, he would settle down and play the best billiards he knew how, for he was very jealous of his laurels. A streetcar accident in Chicago 
resulted in a broken wrist, which gave Schaefer considerable trouble in his later years. He was fond of his stimulants, too, and was not very careful about keeping in condition. He was so convinced of his own prowess that he thought he could go into a match without practice or preparation and beat any player in the world. There came a time, however, when his careless, erratic manner of living told on him. In his last great match with Louis Cure in France, in France, they had to give him plentiful draughts of whiskey on the last final night to keep him going. He played the last hundred points on nerve alone, and when the last winning carom had been scored, he dropped down on the table with his head on the cloth and his cue clattering to the floor. They had to carry him to his hotel room, and it was several days before he walked about again and held the cue. And that concludes chapter 16, Bad Mr. Schaefer. That concludes chapter 16 of uh, Willie Hoppy's 30 Years of Billiards, originally published in 1925. I hope you guys join us again next week right here on American Billiard Radio. Billiard Radio.